everyone. Welcome back to the Leon Offside podcast. I'm your host for today, Rabita, and I'm joined with a pretty full team today. So we've got Nick. Hey, everyone. Sam. G'day, g'day. And we also have a special guest. A lot of you may know him on Twitter as Santa Khan, and he will be joining us today as well. Hello, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> All right. So we've got a pretty full, uh, we're pretty full on our docket today. So we are going to start out by talking um, about transfers and all of the things that went wrong in this window. Did anything even go right in this window? And what Janino's role in this mess has been and if he's done a good job or not. And then we are going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Garcia, our team, and just what we have to look forward to for the rest of the season. So I thought we could go ahead and, and get things kicked off with what kind of transfer window was that, guys? Like, we started off this transfer window with the being assured that either two of, of the three of either uh, Dembele, Awar, or Memphis would leave, and it looks like no one's left. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I've never seen... We, we Yes, we got rid of a lot of dead weight, but I think we got rid of too much dead weight because we had to replace players that we sold um, with inferior players. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't even know where to start. I mean, what are your thoughts? I think we. I think the only thing that was certain with this transfer window was that nothing was certain. It was. It felt like. Um, it felt like everything was hedged on the fact that who was going to leave, and there was pretty much. It seemed like there was no plan outside of that, other than sell all the. Or the players that don't weren't going to play or weren't going to start, which I think, like you were saying, Rabita was a little bit too far, maybe in a couple of the positions. Um, but yeah, I don't think there was a real clear plan outside of the departures um, in terms of arrivals. I think it was most of the dealings were drawn out. Um, most of them seemed. Um, to be last minute in terms of the arrivals. And, yeah, I think whatever plan was there, if there was, has just been shot to pieces. And I think we're going to pay for it um, this season, I think, because there's already a lot of um, – there was already a bit of a squad imbalance and now it seems to have gotten worse somehow, even though we sold three right – we sold two right backs and – one left back slash left center back. Um, yeah, the, it, it still seems um, very, very imbalanced. Yeah, I agree. Um, my biggest issue is that Janino, before the transfer window started, had uh, picked up two priorities, the center back position and a winger. Uh, we didn't get a center back except for uh, Jamarili, or however you pronounce his name, um, which was very, very late and seemed like an afterthought after we lost Anderson. Um, and as for the winger, we always had one target, um, which was Pellistri, which was very paradoxical because on the one hand, Juninho seemed to believe a lot on, in him. In fact, we only had ever one target. Uh, but on the other hand, we weren't ready to, to trigger the release clause, which would have ended all discussion about him. We could have signed him immediately. We didn't, wouldn't have had to loan him back. The release clause wasn't that high. Uh, but at the same time, Leon thought that it wasn't reasonable. So we 
prefer to wait a little bit. Uh, so yeah, it's it was a very disjointed transfer window is how I would describe it. Disappointing from from the arrivals because I don't think that we need this Paqueta, at least not immediately. Uh, those 20 million could have been well spent elsewhere to strengthen the team, wingers, uh, maybe full backs, maybe even another full another center back. But uh, I think now we have uh, too many midfielders. We don't know what to do with them. Uh, apart from that, though, it is positive that we have we are now starting to to sell that weight, and it speaks volumes about our previous transfer window spend. We wouldn't be able to sell any of any players like Tete or Rafael. Before we used to say, oh, who would want them? But now we can see that where there is a will to sell these kind of players, where there is a plan to sell these kind of players, there is a way out for them. Uh, so give it a three out of 10 as a transfer window. Uh, good in terms of departures, although I would have preferred Dembele or Memphis to leave. But apart from that, I, I, I'm left a little bit disappointed in terms of arrivals. I don't think that the squad is any more balanced than it was before. And yeah, I, w- I would tend to agree uh, with everything that you guys said. Um, I think it was it was a mercato, as we call it, and f- it was a freefold one. So first, it was to sell the dead weight, and as you said, uh, it was a success. Um, then the second part was sell some of the big names because there was no Champions League. Um, there was COVID, so we lost a lot. A lot of money, as Olas uh, often says, um, and those big names were Memphis, Dembele, Awa, uh, and then at some point, I don't know if you remember, but there was also Deneyer might leave. Um, I mean, there was a lot of big names that would leave, and then the third part of the mercato would have been replacing the big names. So I'm sure that, or at least I'd like to hope that Juninho and Shahu, um had a plan of okay, we if a war leaves, we have Paqueta. Uh, if Memphis leaves, we have XXX and so on. But that didn't happen uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, it didn't happen. I think that basically sent the whole team into a problem where they were like, okay, we have these opportunities to sign players, and as you said, we spend those twenty million on Paqueta. I think they were planned as the replacement for Awa. Um, and then they went, okay, we might not sell a war, but let's still go for it. Um, but I would have liked to see a restart in some ways of, you know, selling the big salaries and starting over. But that's pro- probably going to happen uh, next summer now. Yeah. And that's going to be weird because it, you, get, you get the sense that next summer, I mean, I would have imagined at the beginning of that trance of this Mercato, that we would have um, had that vision of getting back into Europe for next season. And now it's almost like we, even if that was to happen, which seems like a long shot, we would still be heading into a a season of uh, a European season next season with the beginnings of selling the players we were supposed to sell in this window. So it's almost like, this, this was the time to start over. This was the season where yeah. we could rebuild something and almost start afresh, like you were saying, get rid, you know, this was the time to sell some of these guys and then, um, you know, yeah, like rejuvenate the squad almost because there's a lot of staleness in some of the dead weight, which was 
a success as well. Like I agree. And then, and then, you know, bring in some of the young players, get, give them a season in league on without the distraction of, um, of champions league. Um, there's still one cup, um, cup tournament to play. So there's still a little bit of opportunity to rotate the squad. Um, but yeah, now it's almost, it almost seems like some of the, it almost seems now that we're going to go through this season without, without learning anything new. And it's almost like a prolonged um, departure almost. I think Memphis um, was interviewed while he was away with uh, the Netherlands national team. And he said some comments that were, you know, like I've been a bit of a, um, been a bit of a, defender of Memphis in the past when some of his communications, but I had to, I had to, um, yeah, put that aside for his last one because he said that January will come soon and, um, pretty much um, I'll paraphrase. Um, he said pretty much January will come soon. So we'll see what happens then. Um, but I'm not too sure where I'm going to be, but there's an opportunity to leave in January pretty much. And I just thought, you know, what a mistake now that is not selling him. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I still think that he has a place in the team, but at the same time, yeah. um, you can't have, at least even if you think that, don't say that to the media, right? Yeah. He didn't win anything from it. I mean, Barcelona already wanted him. He didn't need to go to go out there and say exactly. that. Exactly. Barcelona didn't get him because they couldn't. It was almost like um, when he when he stayed and with all these players staying, you almost got the, like, I was hopeful and saying, okay, you know, Memphis is our best player. Maybe, okay, at least with him in the team, he hasn't gone to Barcelona. He can pull his socks up and give us one last season. And that was the hope. But I think now with that, the way he he handled that interview, it seems obvious to me that we're not going to get the pre-injury Memphis. We're going to get almost like the last season Fekir where it's, um, just going through the motions. I'm just going to rock up, do my last year and, and get out pretty much as quick as I can. And that's what I don't want. I didn't want that a season, another season really like that um, because what's going to happen is we're going to start next season in Liga in the same place we start this season in Liga. And, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I think one thing that to be taken into consideration um, and it's, it might be a positive thing is that next summer in the end, it's going to be a full restart because unless there is some kind of divine intervention, Garcia is going to be out. Um, half of the staff is going to be out. We're going to sell all the big names that we have or most of them. That's going to be a full restart. Um, and so I'm very, that's not such a bad thing though. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. It, I'm actually quite curious. I want to see how it goes, and that's where. Uh, and I think we're going to talk about it later. That's when Juninho and Chirou and uh, all the guys that make the decisions will have to show something because it's going to be a very, very important summer. Well, I don't want to be negative. We appreciate that all of you are so positive, but we had a restart this past summer. <laughs> I mean, we got rid of Genesio. We started out with a new manager that was so promising, a new Juninho as a sporting director. We we sold Fakir and Ndombele, Ndombele 
and we essentially did get rid of our big players. And then we, the idea was our is going to, you know, and then of course we made other signings to supplant our departures. And I feel like we're, <laughs> we're we've not only haven't, we, it's not that we've even gone forward. We've actually gone backwards from where we were last summer. And I just fear that like this club is like, we're going to get to the, this summer and it's just going to be a, another bad decision and bad decision and bad decision because they are just, their track record of making good decisions is so poor. Like, I, just, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't see like, a, like I'm really living fear that they are going to extend Garcia's contract. Like I can't, I, I lose sleep at night over oh, this. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I think that's. I mean, if that happens, we'll just rename the 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 podcast to something else like Borussia Offside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Ren podcast. Uh, but that's why I said that it wouldn't be a bad idea that we're keeping Gawar this season and Memphis this season, and even Dembele, um and that they leave next season because next season. Assume I believe that we'll get a new coach. Um, the stars have aligned, yeah. and it's not a coincidence that all contracts expire at the end of the season. Uh, but if we get a new coach at the end of the season, it will be sort of the perfect opportunity to build a team around this coach. Uh, imagine you get Favre, for example, or anyone else really, with the income of that that, that arrives from selling Awar and selling Dembele. Um, and the saved salaries from this season and next season, um, from Triore and the others, we can build a team that is balanced. And that is where Juninho's role will be very important, not just to, in deciding who to sell and who to buy, but also in choosing a coach that will not be short-term like Rudy Garcia was, because that was a colossal mistake, choosing a coach for the short-term and then having him stay for a year and a half, for almost two years, was a huge mistake. Now we need a coach for the long term. And you cannot get someone like Silvino for the long term, someone who's inexperienced. We need somebody who has experience, even though he may not have won trophies. We need somebody who we know can get, get our team around him, who has a clear philosophy. I don't think that Silvino had that, at least from the outside. We couldn't see it before he arrived because we, he had never coached. Um, and a philosophy that is compatible with Lyon, with what Juninho wants Lyon to be. He said he wants uh, Lyon to be a team that attacks fluidly, almost like the team Atalanta is, um, almost like the teams that Favre has managed have been. Um, but Ruth Garcia wasn't that, which makes his appointment even more puzzling. But um, that aside, yes, I think that next season, Ruth Garcia will be replaced and Juninho's real, real test and possibly the last test he will have at Lyon um, because he has already had tests with Silvino and Rudy Garcia and three transfer windows now. Um, I think next season will be the last and most important test, especially if it fails. Yeah, agreed. He's gotten a lot of support and I think he came in with a lot of blind faith from fans because this is Juninho. He's so important to the club, but there's a difference between a player and a sporting director and so far, I haven't been impressed with Juninho. I mean, I love him. He's my, he's the reason I started following OL like way back in like, I don't know, like 20 years ago. But uh, he, I don't know, like he hasn't really, I guess, lived up to his promise. And so you can argue he needs a year to settle in. Well, he's in that, he's now in his second 
I mean, he's now in that year. And so, I mean, I agree. This is going to be a really crucial year. Yeah, I think it's it would be nice as well. Like when I I like the idea of, you know, being able to sell everyone and bring in a new coach. And I think it's really important as well, like you were saying, Nick, to that when we when we bring in a coach that he that we that we at least um employ him for his philosophy, employ him for his um his ability to bring his own a team of experienced staff as well that can like physically change the the way that the pro team operate you know just really reinvent the ethos there because i feel like there's baggage in that there's baggage in the first team and it's been it's existed almost for a few for a few years now and it's kind of what happens is there's almost like this it's kind of like a like a like a metronome it's just it's just back and forth it's the same thing it's like one step it's like two steps forward one step back two steps forward two steps back it's like when we think we get we're going somewhere or there's some some kind of projects there's some kind of you know forward motion it seems to be quickly held back and it goes back into a almost like a bad habit again, like a bad habit that just keeps resurfacing. And I think, you know, the club is not doing the right thing by by moving on a lot of the staff and hopefully the coach as well. And with the um with the sales off Memphis and and the guys next season to be um to really start to rebuild. But I think that it's if that is to happen, I think it's also important that like as you guys are saying, Janino's track record so far um, has been pretty poor. Hopefully, like I'm on the believing that I don't actually think he's given as much power as the club like to say he is, is being given, or like all us likes to say he's being given. But if he, is, if we are to do all those things, I would hope that he is given at least the the authority to go and you know, pursue whatever his vision is. Um, Cause I think we've seen it in, um, in spurts in little bits here and there, but I don't feel like we've been able to see the full complete vision come, come to part yet. Um, I think the Silvino experiment didn't work. And I think that was probably a naive choice on Janino to think that, you know, getting in a coach, like you're saying, um, hasn't got any experience. We don't really know what we're going to get. And it turns, it turns out that he did have uh, a clear plan. He did have ideas. It's just that they weren't compatible with the team and the existing players and this, the recruits that we were given as well. And I think that was just a big mixture of mess. And so then, you know, for an experience, inexperienced sporting director to then um pick Rudy Garcia it it to me it just all sounded so strange and so confusing that 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 would be able to happen so I I just hope that if he is to have like no I agree that's probably his last next um you know after this season going into next season is probably his last chance 
I guess, to to do something. And I just hope that he is given the autonomy to go out and do something. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, as you say, the 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 bits of vision that we've seen are are what we want in the end. Uh, yeah, because he has all he makes all these interviews about the the style of play of giving the fans what they want and the players that he wanted um, and that he got sometimes are interesting players. Uh, yeah. the, and that's why I found it also surprising that uh, you know they they keep saying that uh, Garcia was his choice. Yeah, it might be, but it doesn't fit at all how he seems to see football. Um, yeah, not at all. So that's that's why I found it surprising. Um, so I'm looking forward. I, I'm I am scared, uh, <laughs> as you all are, I think, <laughs> yeah. of what's next. Um, We're all but scared. I'm looking forward because if, yeah, I mean, if they give him the power, as you say, to do what he wants, and I think we should just take the risk. Uh, I don't want uh, Oulier or Chirou or Olas picking, you know, the the Laurent Blanc of the situation or. Uh, Galtier who's had success but it's the same kind of thing we, yes. we want some change and I think we should trust the vision of Jimmy on that obviously he hasn't sh- shown uh, everything he should uh, but there's still some time yeah and I think um, there's I think that pattern that we were talking about earlier as well that pattern that Leon seemed to be under um, you know it it would be it would be almost confirmed if we were to end this season and then get in another French coach with a similar style of vision. And that would just be restarting that pattern that we've been kind of falling under. You know, we would go and get a Galtier or um, even a, a Blanc without um, without Gasset. It would just be like we're, we're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And at least, you know, if – if we are to do something different, we'd really go out there and do it different. Um, I was also thinking of like, <laughs> this is like, I'm not going to say this is the the man, but it would be kind of interesting to see what a big coach, if we were to sacrifice some salary and, and a transfer of a big player and instead go, you know, try and go hard on a, on a coach and a, and a good team. I know that there's logistics that make that difficult. Like I think we saw with Marseille and Monaco, um, when Marseille sacked Rudy Garcia, they had to pay out a big contract. Um, and the same thing with Monaco, they sacked, um, um, oh, I've lost his name. Um, they they sacked their coach. Yes, Jardim. Yeah, they sacked him twice and we saw the money they had to pay him. That's the the – the downside of getting a big coach, like I think of someone like Pochettino, but not that he would ever come to us. But yeah, but why, why haven't we pursued that? Why haven't we, because we keep trying to get these big players and these fringe players at big clubs that kind of fail at the big clubs, but still have a lot of talent and a lot of things to give instead of trying to get that player or getting two of those players. Why don't we try and get a coach that, is able to bring out top performances out of players more within our means. You know, we see like um, heaps and heaps of clubs that are able to get good performances out of mediocre players. And it's not to say that they're mediocre players. They're just players that need 
um, that that tactical mind, that leadership over them to tell them where they need to be and to drill it into them and be able to um, approach them and be able to instill an idea into these players. Um, but so far, we haven't really got that. And I think we kind of flirt with the sort of players that um, have quite a decent ego on them. And I think we pair that with coaches that um, don't necessarily have the pedigree to compete with that. And I think that's, again, another sort of an imbalance and an incompatible um, issue. Yeah. I think part of the problem is that Alas has, for a really long time, with the exception of Silvino, always preferred a French coach. And I think that in itself is a handicap because, let's be honest, French coaching is not uh, up to it's par. It's a strong point, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, if you look at the like managers of other like top-flight clubs, there's no French managers among them, with the exception of Zidane. Um, so I think... Yeah, like, Zidane, I, I wouldn't even count him. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. it's a really is in his team. Like, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, and so I think that has always been a very big handicap where... Um, you know, they took the risk on Slovenia. It didn't work out. And I don't know if in all us's head, he's like, okay, it's proven foreign coaches don't work at OL. We're never going to have one again. I don't, um, but it's just, it, for me, that's always been like a big, uh, roadblock is just the inability to consider, you know, managerial talent from abroad. It's something that I just don't understand. I mean, it's not like we have a team composed entirely of players who speak French. Thiago Mendes has been in France for three years, I think now, or four. He still doesn't speak French, at least not very well. Last year, he couldn't speak French. So why the insistence to get French coach? I have no idea. Maybe because French coaches are a bit more open to the idea of coming to the club without bringing over their own stuff. But even then, I don't get that... That, that the, the fact that that is such a crucial factor in deciding who a coach um, could be as a candidate for Lyon. The fact that we never used to consider um, coaches who would bring their own men with them. We always chose coaches who were ready to work with what they had at the club. Such a such a limiting factor that obviously is going to have an impact on our football. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. I, I can't think of a single reason why would do that once, see that it gave us limited results, especially with the teams we have had in the past, and keep pushing on with the same thing. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I think ideologically, you know, you like the idea that the coach can come and go, but the staff are there to give continuity. And I think that makes sense on paper. But in reality, that never works out because you have a new manager comes and he has his own way of doing things. He has, you know, and the staff is resentful because, you know, they are unhappy with their new manager and it never works out the way it's supposed to. And I always found it funny because I feel like Alas is actually a very practical man. Um, and I just find it odd that, you know, he he does he he makes mostly right decisions, and then there's a few things where he like makes these weird emotional decisions <laughs> that <laughs> ultimately mess up the overall plan. And it's like you were so close, you were ninety percent there, JMA. Like what happened? <laughs> and <laughs> I think the coaching is like a very good example of it, where you know he he's he's made 
his ideas for why things should be makes sense everywhere else except like this. And this is unfortunately the most major aspect <laughs> of the organization. Yeah, I think there's also, you know, this, uh, what they call the, the, the Leon way of doing things. Um, because it was, that was the hype of the, of the early 2000s. I just rolled my eyes at hearing that. The Leon yeah, way. Yeah, see, yeah, that's the, that's a legendary kind of a thing that we don't know actually what it is. Um, and it's, it's been an issue at the club since, since the end of the great era in, uh, in a way of, you know, then there was Rémy Gard who actually, it, it worked. I don't know how it worked, but it did work. Um, after Claude Puel and, uh, then there was Fournier and it was the same kind of style of manager. Uh, and it's always the same staff. Uh, as you said, behind there was always the Baticle, there was always the the same guys, the Vercoud, the Coupé, and all those guys were always there. Um, and I think that's where I see a difference with next summer. Uh, we always go back to to next summer, and uh, because there the the staff is out of contract. Uh, the what's the name of the Italian guy uh, who does the the physical uh, uh, um, now a contract. Pong. Oh, um, God. Anyways, we know who we're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah. But they're all out of contract. So we're going to need to start over. The, and it's the perfect opportunity to go and see somewhere else. You know, I'm so jealous of, obviously, it's not the same financial means or anything, but I'm so jealous of Everton at the moment. Um, they just went, okay, let's try and go and get Ancelotti, who's won the Champions League so many times, the Serie A so many times, who's coached the greatest clubs in the world. Um, and they actually managed to, uh, and I'm very jealous of that. I have to say. Yeah, that's the dream. I think. Like, I think even after um, after Genesio, I was even, I was even like open to the idea of even potentially Mourinho, even though he's he's so, oh, yeah. um, such an uh, I don't know just such a polarizing coach. I thought it would just be that change, like to have a to have someone in, even though I don't think he's the greatest, the greatest coach anymore, it would just be, you know, that he would get this group, a group of players like the ones we had, you would get, you would get some, um, you would get that boost in certain players. You might get a few players offside, which he seems to do all the time, but just something that like a change and um, yeah, to, Seeing what you know, Everton do with Ancelotti and a couple other clubs seem to be able to do as well. It's, it's like why not us? Because I think a year or two ago we were in a position where we could have done that, and um, even you know to miss out on Favre um, back in the day, it was um, you know I think we're still almost paying for that, for not being able to not going for him then, yeah. and I think we're still we're still yeah suffering from that. Well, I want to move on um, to just the rest of the season, I guess, what we have to look forward to. But just to really quickly recap our transfer discussion, um, I guess, is there anything about this team that currently brings you happiness right now? Because for me, it's Bard. (laughs) I am so impressed with him, and I feel like he's been – the bright spot of an otherwise uninspiring team. Yeah, um, I've loved Bar, and um, 
yeah, he's especially his match against Marseille. I think that was his his what he's. I think is it we could say the breakout match. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think that was his. Yeah, I think that was his match where he really got to show all that he was capable of. Um, I'm a really big fan of Tino Cade Ware. <laughs> I think this guy is going to be a guy that's going to really, you know, as I've known a few Cade Wares in, in my time and I think he's definitely the best of them. Um, and, I, yeah, I can't wait to see more of it. No, no, seriously. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Kat Kret always gives um, – Gives me pleasure. Jury's <laughs> <laughs> no still out on Tino Cadawere, but uh, Kakhet is definitely, um, he's my yes. choice. Unfortunately, it's going to be a while before we see him. I saw he just uh, tested positive for COVID. Yeah, yeah. apparently a week, a week out. Is that, is that the, the thing? Is that how long it takes? A, little, a week or two. I mean, I think Depends. two weeks, right? That they, well, until they well, test next. No. Well, Donald Trump. Donald Trump can get rid of it in three days, so we should just give whatever we gave him. I know, right? Like experimental uh, drugs. Orange spray? Yeah, I think, yeah, a bit of tan and a bit of... Didn't he take pretty much every every kind of medication? We should just do that. Just give him a spray tan and give him everything. Except bleep. That's the one thing he didn't take. Yeah, Twice except heroin. An overdose, and then we have a completely different problem. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I, okay. So what is the name? Okay. I'm sure one of you can correct me because I do not, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this. Is it, uh, De Skiglio? De Skiglio? De Skiglio. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but De Skiglio is much more fitting for an English (laughs) podcast. I know. Um, surprised (laughs) I didn't say De Skiglio. I was like, I don't know. I um, I, I also just feel like I'm so unhappy with the signing that I just I don't I almost don't want to invest the time in learning how to say his name, um, but <laughs> so much want like alleviating that. our crossing <laughs> problems. I don't know. I thought we were supposed to find something. No, we got a disagreement. Do you think we, he's going to be going to be an upgrade? Everywhere I've been reading is he's a like everyone's just laughing at this transfer. Um, yeah, I mean. It's it's a complicated one, I think, because uh, I mean we we discussed this with with Nick on Twitter the other day. Uh-huh. Um, for me, it's a clear upgrade from Tete and Rafael, um, and and as I read uh, and I agree with that, it's there's nothing we can lose from it because basically it's a one year deal. There's no buying option. Um, we're not paying him anything. We got him in the last days of the of the transfer window, and I'm I'm pretty sure that he was probably not good enough for Juventus, and that I completely agree. Um, but you know, he's someone who has international experience, who plays with Italy, who played seven years in a in a weak Milan, but played uh seven years in that club is not for everyone. Um, and I really don't rate Dua, uh, especially lately. I used to like him at the beginning. Um, so in an ideal world with a normal coach, De Chilio would start over Dubois, I think, quite very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I don't think it will happen because Dubois, you know, is one of the vice captains and, you know, he scored, uh, the other day, um, <laughs> in Florian. Uh, <laughs> so that will give him credit for the rest of his life. 
uh, that <laughs> in his 25 crosses that hit no one. Um, but, you know, for me, it's not a bad deal because we didn't pay anything. He's going to stay one season, then he's going to go back. He's bringing experience. We're not playing Europe, so he, I mean, there's not that much damage from it. You know what, what I don't like most about the Shilio? The fact that we sold Kona on the left, Marcel on the left, Tete and Rafael on the right. We sold these players quite early on in the transfer window. And it took until the last day. And it took for Rudy Garcia to ask for the Shilio himself, for Juninho to finally get us a fullback. I mean, looking outside, out of the club, inside, it's very clear, it was very clear that we needed another fullback, ideally another right back, because we don't have any other right backs. We only have Malagusto, who's too young, apparently, to be playing in League Gun. But on the left, we have, okay, we have Cornet and Bart, but on the right, we only had Dubois. What on earth was Juninho thinking, trying to get us into the season with just one right back? That's, the, that's one thing. Beyond the Shilio's technical abilities, I won't go into them. I don't think he's a good crosser. I don't think he's an improvement over Dubois. I think they are about the same level. But that aside, it's like Leon completely forget, forgot that we needed fullbacks. Yeah. Well, and the other problem, well, the other concern is that, I mean, he's only here on a one-year contract. We can't buy him. So he's gone. Dubois, I'm fairly confident, is going to leave. He's now a, he's pretty much starting for the national team. If he gets a better offer, he's going to go. He has no loyalty to the to the club. Like I would be surprised if you know he stayed, and he'll only have two years left on his contract at that point, unless he extends, which potentially means we're going to not have any right backs, and we're going to have to buy two new right backs, um, which is also a concern. I would have preferred that if they had signed someone, they at least had an option to extend or potentially buy just to prevent, you know, having both the starting and backup positions to be completely brand new for players. Yeah. It's, it's strange as well because um, Janino himself said, I think ahead of the transfer window, he said himself that he would, that we had too many fullbacks. We had too many that he ideally would like to have at least two players per post, like per position. And then the way that the um, the window went, it that plan seemed to just go completely out the window. And I think you know, despite Rudy Garcia, um, no matter how much he loves Cornet over Bar, we could at least we could at least see that the level that Bar has been displaying was showing that he will quickly surpass Cornet at that position anyway. So we could have left. We can let that that part slide. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, Dubois, the only, the only right back. And for now, so far, he's been playing with concrete shoes. Um, it's not, not good enough. And then we knew that we were, we were going to need that position. And Janino said himself that two players per position, yet we went the whole window with only one right back. And then like you were saying, Nick, um, Janino also said that we would have two players per position. And in the case of injuries, we would then introduce players from the academy. And we saw Marlo Gusto um, training with the pro group now and just as an, for him as an example. So there, he was never going to be um, a look-in for that, to be the, to be the lining to Dubois. And Dio, despite, you know, Diomande's great performance, uh, I can't remember which match it was, I think it was Neem, 
um, despite his great match at right back. I think that proved more, not necessarily how good Diamande is, even though he was very good. Uh, I think it just showed more that how bad Dubois had been up until then as well. And um, this, yeah, a lot of ha- this hasn't really made any sense. I mean, I think it made, it made sense for Raphael to leave, I think, because he wanted to play. He wasn't good. He was third choice. For Tete, I think it made sense for him to leave in the sense that he lost his place on the national team because he wasn't playing. And he's good enough to be on the Dutch national team, I think. But I think, like, he's not the greatest, but, you know, I, don't, I feel like that might have been a big motivation for him to leave. But I thought that Tete was a player that would be good under a good coach. He was yeah. like one of those players where yeah. I think if under a good coach, he would be a great right back. But yeah. I think his biggest issue was that tactically he was inept in his own self and it was almost like because of that, he would also um, waver his, his, um, his concentration in matches would also waver. And, yeah, that was, that was the to see him go and Raphael and then not to replace them, that gave me a little bit of regret. I guess, yeah. like you were saying. Well, I guess we are where we are <laughs> with them. Um, Just one thing that I want to mention uh, about what Sam said about Tete uh, under a good coach. It was like a huge middle finger to Leon that on his debut against Leeds, he gave two great crosses and one of them turned into an assist, something that <laughs> we never saw him do at Leon. <laughs> middle fingers. What about Guiri? He's doing them left and right. <laughs> Oh, oh, don't mention it. Don't Let's mention not mention it. that, guys. No. <laughs> yeah, don't don't even go there. I can't I wait till his loan is, is over and he returns to Leon. <laughs> I just all hope right. we spend $50 million to get it back and then all this never, ever makes that mistake ever again. Because <laughs> they can just put that transfer on the, wind, on the wall of the museum and say, yes, we made a mistake. <laughs> uh, we wouldn't be Leon if we didn't make mistakes like that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> All right, so really, really quick, let's uh, uh, pivot over to um, upcoming league results. We are currently in, what are we, 14th, I think 14th place right now, um, <clears throat> which is pretty sad. Oh, um, sad we are, face. Yes, we are six games into the season and closer to relegation than ever before. Like, I don't, yeah, I think this might be actually worse than our last season with Silvino from what I recall. So we're one point. Are we one point, one point off Silvino's record? Yeah, I think so. So not looking too great. Um, We have in one week, six days away, we're playing PSG. I think in between, no, wait, no, we're not just kidding. I totally made that up. Just kidding guys. Well, I think we're going to have to play them soon. I think we play Lille and St. Etienne. I think we play Strasbourg. Lil Saint Etienne, is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, I think I was looking at some names, uh, name. So okay, well anyway, we have. It doesn't even matter who we're playing because big team or small team, we just seem to suffer all the same. <laughs> Maybe some teams we have less possession than others. I I'm really curious. Where do you think we're going to be at the end of December? And do we even have a chance to crawl up the table to? Um, I guess to, I mean, I'm not even thinking about the Champions League right now, but just even just any kind of European football. Are we going to be able to get back up the table? 
Think of the, keep in mind that we're going to have Garcia for the rest of the season, most likely. The problem right now, in my opinion, is the fact that, okay, we aren't that far off from the podium. I mean, seven points against teams like Lille, who we still have to play twice. It's not that big of a number, but we don't have to just um, recover seven points from Lille. We also have to recover seven points, five points, four points from many other teams. So uh, it won't just take three match days for us at minimum to reach the podium. It will take much longer. So uh, that's one big problem that I see uh, in the league standings right now. It's still quite tight, the table. Um, that aside, I don't think that I can, that we can get Champions League football. I don't think that Rudy Garcia will be fired unless we really, really are um, risking relegation. Maybe in December, maybe we'll be mid-table, slightly higher up than we are right now. Um, so that maybe we can hope for sixth or seventh place by the end of the season. Hopefully I'll be proven wrong and it will be higher already by December uh, or by January. Uh, the problem is that teams have found us out. It doesn't matter whether we are playing against Orient, who are newly promoted, or against Marseille, who are a weak, true, but still Champions League team. They just play the same way. Even before Payet picked up the red card, Marseille were defending all players behind the ball, trying to get us, um, trying to avoid us getting into the box. And, you know, teams will perfect that strategy over time. We've already seen Lorient doing it very, very well. And it's not very difficult to, to perfect in a way, right? All you need is to get as many players into the box to be aggressive. They don't even have to run that much because Lyon players are all clustered just outside the box, take the ball and counter. And I fear that if we don't find a way to overcome that, or if we don't start scoring very, very early on, so that we force those teams to, to attack with more intent, I think that we will keep struggling in the same way. I don't buy in the efficiency, into the efficiency arguments of Rudy Garcia or that we are unlucky. There is a question of luck a little bit, but I think that Rudy Garcia is overemphasizing that. So I'm, I'm not too hopeful. I'm very, very, very cautious about this upcoming season. And I fear that a season that should have been a transition is really going to be wasted, even though we have a very strong team. I think, as you say, I think the the issue is really in the game, uh, in, in how we play. Uh, it's not as you again, as you say, it's not about the luck. It's not about the efficiency. Uh, if it was just a problem of results, like oh yeah, we played well against Marseille or we played well against Nîmes Lorient, uh, but we were unlucky. But that wasn't the case. Anyone who's seen the games knows that we weren't unlucky. We're just not good. Uh, it was the most boring 90 minutes ever uh, against uh, against Nîmes. Um, it was terrible against Lorient, against Marseille. It was a little bit better, but not really. Um, and so to go back to, to, to your question, which is uh, where do you see us in, in December? It's either uh, the next couple of games are crucial. Unless there is a, some sort of miracle, I don't see us getting better. Um, and if he loses against Strasbourg, and it's likely because Strasbourg are a good team, um, I could see us lose there. Um, and then you said it's Lille, you can definitely lose there. And then it's Marseille. So if he loses those games, I don't see how Garcia can stay. Um, it, it would be almost uh, in the relegation zone if we lose those games or if we draw some of those games and don't win. Um, it could go really bad. 
I, I don't. I don't want to be pessimistic. <laughs> it could go really bad. I think the 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 fact that we have Saint Etienne coming up um, as the third match after this break that seems to be the 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 final straw for all of our coaches yep. and perhaps I think Rudy Garcia realistically will have to. Um, I think he would have definitely have to win in Strasbourg and Lille um, first if he before we play Saint Etienne to survive a loss there because I think the club I think if we were to lose against Strasbourg or not I want to say lose but I think if we fail to get three points against Strasbourg and Lille if we then go to Saint Etienne and lose he'll I'd say he definitely goes. Um, which I'm not sure if that's if it's better to have Rudy Garcia at the, you know, in the coaching chair or is it Gerard Baticle? Is that how we say his last name? Baticle. 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 <laughs> I don't want to do it again. Um, I'd, I'm not too sure if what's better, but um, yeah, I don't. I can't. I couldn't see him. It can't be worse. That, but yeah, it, yeah, it's right. <laughs> last time we said that became much worse. Last time we said that was after Sylvania, and look at where you are now. <laughs> well, yes, and I mean, I, I, honestly, I would take Batiklé until the rest of the season any day. I can't stand Garcia anymore in the press conferences. Yeah, I'm all almost that. there as well. I'm, I'm there as well. I'd, I'm, yeah, I'd rather Batiklé. But I think, yeah, I could see as well um, in December. I think it also depends. I know that when the Champions League starts, a lot of the teams that are ahead of us are going to start to struggle. Not necessarily struggle because the level of Ligue 1 is still not as great as it could be. Um, I think if we are to really start to pick up, it will not necessarily be for our own good play. I think it would be more for the fact that other teams may start to falter a little bit. But, yeah, it's hard to predict much more than what we're seeing under Garcia. I think the best we could hope for is probably what we've already been getting under him and maybe similar to last season where we, where it's just a very sporadic um, spray of, of points. Um, you'll get three points here, then zero, one, zero, three, one, one, three, zero. It'll just be... Yeah, nothing consistent, and I couldn't see us really getting much more than mid-table at this point. My biggest worry about Rudy Garcia, um, about firing him, firing him, is the bigger question of who replaces him. Um, I know that you guys said that you wouldn't mind having Jared Batikla until the end of the season, but you know, I don't think that Juninho subscribes to that. He has already said that he, or rather, the media said that he doesn't like Batikla at all. So that's a big problem. Um, the alternatives are either that Juninho takes to the bench. I think he has the qualifications to do that, or that we try to convince Remy Gard to return. But I don't think either either option is very likely. Uh, I think that if Ruth Garcia had to be fired, Juninho would probably prefer to to fire Batikla and, and Fischer and everyone else right now and get a proper coach immediately. I think he has learned at least that from the experience with, with Rudy Garcia. Yeah, but then, then you ruin the whole timeline of having all your staff ready to leave in June, right? 
Um, so I'm that's saying we advance the timeline. We fire Batik <laughs> now. We fire Rongoni now. <laughs> I don't see any other way. Oh, yeah. So you anticipate everything. Yep. I mean, there are some coaches that are without a contract right now that are really good and that would make a great uh, great job at Lyon. So you could do it. You could do it for sure, but it would cost us quite a bit of money. But we're okay paying paying Mapu for five years. True. Yeah. A coach is what, like what, three years of Mapu? Something like that, yeah. I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> you miss? You mean you miss him or you miss the song? I'm not going to sing it, but... <laughs> both, both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... The nice thing is, even if the even if Leon are out of Europe this year, we can cheer Marseille as they hopefully place last in their Champions League group. So I am looking forward to that. So at least will be some, you know, cheerfulness for us as fans. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So I think we've pretty much covered everything that we had planned to cover. Just, you know, really quick, as we always do, we make predictions. I was going to ask you guys to predict where we're going to be at the end of the season, but it sounds like we could really be anywhere at the end of the season. So why don't we instead predict where we're going to be at the end of December? I think Leon are going to be 10th or 12th place. Get a little bit up the table, but I can't see us going beyond that, at least in the next few weeks. Uh, I'll go with nine. It's a little bit more optimistic than I am. <laughs> yeah, upper mid table. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say about 10th as well. I think we'll get a couple of. How many matches are up until December? Would it be like six or seven? We have seven? Um, 10 matches left. It's usually, they, they usually play 19 games first half of the season. We just finished nine. So, okay. 10 matches. What's that? 30 points. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, I'd say 10th, yeah. We're not going to get 30 <laughs> points in the next 10 matches. <laughs> I was waiting for you guys to laugh. I was um, like, you guys are just really just, just going with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go uh, catastrophic in the next three games. Um, so, and then new coach, whoever it is. And then a little spike of form. Uh, so I'm going to go like uh, eight, Spicy. nine. Yeah. Hopefully. So I ho- I'm hoping we crash completely and then <laughs> jump back up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Uh, well, I have, <laughs> I've written all of this down. And so we'll see. <laughs> we will revisit this in two months. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Um, Nick, Sam, as always, it's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. And then um, Santa Count, it was really nice uh, having you on this podcast. I hope you join us again. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. It was fun. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up today. Um, Leon Offside fans, I really hope that we have better results to report when we next speak. Maybe if our predictions are correct, we might be really poor and have a new coach at the end of it we can only hope um but for now goodbye bye 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 bye